I'm glad you uh, called on the Holy Spirit to begin this. I, I always believe when I start a, a Bible class on Tuesday evening, I'll, we always say a prayer to the Holy Spirit. And I just hope that in my uh, delivery here, I don't step in the way of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I stay open to my, my prepared information and also whatever uh, inspiration that comes during the talk. You have on your desk, on your uh, tables, the uh, couple of references. The one, <clears throat> one reference is got uh, is double side printed double side. It's a single sheet and it has three references from um, the Vatican II documents. One from the uh, uh, Lumen Gentium, one from the document on the Church, and two from uh, the document on the Sacred Liturgy. And on the back of it is, a, is an outline of the order of Mass. That's just FYI, in, in case you like to see things kind of structured. But that, that, it's also a, a guide so that when you go through the missiles, which I'm going to ask you to do after I finish uh, uh, indoctrinating you, or whatever, <laughs> after I finish talking, um, you'll have references, you'll be able to reference the, uh, the Ordo, which is in the beginning, the very front part, the, the gray shaded pages in those, those purple uh, hymnals, those, I'm, I'm sorry, missiles, well, min, missiles, hymnals that are in the center of the table. Okay, so the, uh, the key of this talk is, is this little pamphlet right here. It's amazing this little pamphlet can cause me to grab all of these references. But anyway, this little pamphlet is what I'm going to walk you through. And uh, start with a question. How many of you, when you, when you attend Mass, when you uh, worship at Mass, assist at Mass, how many use the Lumen Christi missile, missile or any missile that you have with you? Maybe it's a private one. And do you, do you walk your way through the Eucharistic prayer with that missile? I try, but it's always different every day. So it's uh, yeah. one of four. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through this in this Father uh, Paul Turner is a, uh, a well-credentialed fellow who's got his, uh, his, his uh, training from uh, um, the San Anselmo uh, Theology uh, uh, University in Rome, and that focuses on, that's a school that focuses on liturgy as well as general theology. And he's a priest of the Missouri of the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph, Missouri. And he's been writing these little pamphlets and, and commentaries often that parishes publish in their bulletins. So I'm just going to walk you through this. Um, strap on your seatbelt because it's going to be a fast ride. Um, on page two, you've got uh, uh, a beginning is My Sacrifice, the, the uh, title of the, uh, the pamphlet, My Sacrifice and Yours which uh, is one of your motives to act in a priestly way. And the quotations both from um, the ones you uh, possibly read yesterday uh, from Patrick's email, uh, Patrick's uh, uh, flock note, and also the ones that are uh, on the, the handout there from the Vatican II documents. The idea is uh, something that Doug started us off with, thinking about our, our baptismal uh, commission our baptismal status as um, priest, prophet, and king. When infants are baptized in, in just by themselves without, without going through the, 
the RCIA process of going to confirmation right away after that. When infants are baptized, they're actually anointed with that uh, ritual that they are uh, becoming priest, prophet, and king. So coming to worship is something that's not a spectator thing. You're supposed to act like a priest, exercising your right and duty as priestly people. Today's a good day to remember this because one of the references that I sent out last, or Pat sent out yesterday was from St. Peter's letter, uh, chapter 2, and it's uh, a reminder that uh, we're members of a royal priesthood. Today is St. Peter's uh, feast, the chair of St. Peter. Um, By reason of your baptism, and it's mentioned on page 3, and it's also mentioned of this little booklet on page uh, in Sacrosanctum Concilium number 48, 48 is one of the references I handed out. So, uh, what do you, how do you do this at Mass? How do you act like a priestly person? You do it externally, and we've, we've seen this since Vatican II was concluded and, uh, and the, uh, the new order of Mass was distributed, was promulgated. We do it externally through dialogue, responses, postures used, songs sung, and communion shared. But we also do it internally by listening to the prayers and scriptures and conversing with God. And that's uh, I'm up to page four on the little pamphlet. There's a list on page two of all the reasons you might come to Mass. But one of the reasons that uh, Father Turner is stressing here is on page three. You come here to act like a priest, not an ordained minister, but to act like a baptized, using exercising your common uh, ministry, your priestly ministry that comes from baptism. So, what happens? When you come to Mass, you come to participate and bring a sacrifice, your own sacrifice. And you have two priestly responsibilities. Uh, he's on page, uh, on page six now. Two priestly responsibilities. To give thanks and to uh, make an offering especially at the Eucharistic prayer, the whole congregation of the faithful joins with Christ in confessing the great deeds of God and in offering sacrifice, of acknowledging things that God's done in your life. Hey, God's really been great. You know, God has really helped my life. God has done this for my family and done this personally for me. And in offering a sacrifice, so you... uh, and you... uh, faithful form a holy people of God who are God's own possession in a royal priesthood, so that they may give thanks to God and offer the unblemished sacrificial victim, not only by means of the hands of the priest, but also together with him, and so that they may learn to offer their very selves. The little sidebar on page 6 says that in a summary way. Okay, so the whole congregation joins in confessing the great deeds and in offering thanks and giving thanks. Um, one of the preface dialogues, every one of the preface dialogues has a line that says, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It's an opportunity to recall and express today, in this Mass, our reason for thanksgiving. The priest and you and all the assembled join in this. We confess, we acknowledge God's wonderful, awesome deeds to us. And this is the meaning of the name that we give to our worship. Uh, as as uh, Eucharistan, uh, the Greek name Eucharistan, we join in the sacrifice. So we give thanks, and then we join in the sacrifice. 
At Mass, you are present again. I'm up to page 7 on this little book. At, at Mass, you are present again at the cross, and you, with the priest, offer Christ to the Father. And together with Christ, you offer yourself. So we're offering the spotless victim of Jesus, who's offered himself, and you, uh, uh, who's offered himself uh, at Calvary, and you offer yourself with him. You put your life in God's hands. And this is this doesn't mean that you should expect some sublime electrical experience. It's not it's not about uh, a buzz. Uh, offer yourself anyway, regardless of your feelings. This uh, sacrificial intent is evident. The bread and wine brought up in procession uh, when the servers bring the gifts up from the gift table that symbolizes our self-offering, your self-offering. The bread and wine also symbolize uh, Diversity, because there are many grains of wheat combined to the bread, and many grains, grain, grapes, and much work makes the wine. Many participants are gathered together in the priesthood of the baptized. Similarly, the bread and wine brought forward as gift come from diverse resources, diverse sources, farmers, bakers, vintners, truckers, craftspeople, some members of the priestly community, too, may be people you know well, close friends. On the other hand, some are people you merely tolerate. Self-offering requires your charitable action. So one of the fruits of this offering as a priest is charitable action which is expressed by participating with all who gather, brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, now the, the next uh, major part of his book is, uh, is on page... Uh, Starts on page uh, 11. Unite with the sacrifice of Christ. Okay, so we, we've come in, we've entered, we've, we realize the, the idea of this is to, to give thanks and to offer sacrifice. Those two priestly exercises, um, which we, we join and we do in our role as uh, holders of the, as members of the, uh, the common priesthood. Now we unite our sacrifice with Christ. And he starts with that on page 11. Um, Jesus does not rise over and over. He does not die and rise over and over. Hebrews is clear about this. Christ died once and for all. Uh, a lot of people who are not uh, members of our, our faith uh, tradition don't uh, understand what we do with the sacrifice of the Mass. We participate again and again when we are present at Mass. We become present in a mysterious way to the entire Paschal mystery. Uh, knowing this sacrifice pleased the Father, we unite our offerings, that is us, uh, on page 11 and 12, with the, the priest, with the sacrifice that the priest is presenting. After the priest press, praises God for bread and wine, before washing his hands, he prays, with humble spirit and contrite heart, May we be accepted to you by you, O Lord, and may our sacrifice in your sight this day be pleasing to you, O God, Lord God. He's praying that God will be pleased with the sacrifice each of us brings, uh, as well as the bread and wine. We're quite confident that the Lord, that God is the Father, is going to be satisfied with this sacrifice of bread and wine because we know that is an instituted sacrament established by Jesus. But we want to make sure that we're also recognized as part of this offering 
and that we're acceptable. So uh, the uh, the next after the priest has has prayed for this uh, this privately, uh, which you see when he holds up the gifts, uh, they're gifts now. They haven't been turned into offerings yet. They're still gifts from the gift table. Uh, he's praying that God will be pleased with the sacrifice each of us brings, as well as the sacrifice of himself, too, as well as the bread and wine. And then he says um, a, uh, uh, a phrase, a uh, text that, that is based on what we have in the title of this little pamphlet. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. And we respond... Excellent. A plus. Uh, we baptismal priests work together with the ministerial priest by asking that our sacrifice will be acceptable, as acceptable as that of his beloved son. About, as I said earlier, about whose acceptability we, we have no doubt. Now, when, when incense is used, the union of these sacrifices come, becomes clear. And we don't do that every Sunday probably fortunately for some of us, but the, the, uh, at, at special occasions, particularly at Christmas time and, and then the Easter season, the priest incenses uh, the gifts on the altar and the aroma, the perfume, makes them more acceptable. Uh, you have to think kind of like a Byzantine person in order to get this. When a deacon or a server incenses the priest who offers himself to God with the gifts and also wants to be perfumed and made pleasing to God, just like the other gifts that are on the altar. When the server then incenses the assembly, he swings the censer uh, toward us and spreads this fragrant smoke on the priestly people who offer themselves. Now that the gifts of the priest have been fragranced, have been made acceptable to God, or particularly attractive, the priest can now begin the Eucharistic prayer. Uh, we're in the middle of page uh, at the bottom of uh, page 12 of this. The central piece of furniture in the sanctuary, of course, is is the altar, but it's both an altar and a table in the sense that it's an altar. Uh, the priest and the gifts and the people have been placed there as joined sacrifices now in the sense that it's a table of communion. All will soon approach, all of us worshipers, for a ritual meal after the consecration and oblation. That's on page 13. Okay, make an oblation. is an ancient word for offering. Make an offering. After the consecration, we move to the offering of the body and blood of Christ to the Father. The traditional name for this part is oblation. And this comes from the mystery of faith dialogue. The mystery of faith comes after, immediately after. The mystery of faith is what the priest says after the consecration is finished. And then the priest sings or chants, uh, chants or says the mystery of faith. And the choir responds or leads us with one of three possible uh, responses for that. Uh, In Eucharistic prayer one, the formulation, I'm in the middle of page 15 now, in Eucharistic prayer one, the formulation is unique. Uh, the uh, formulation of offering. 
Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the blessed passion of the resurrection from the dead and the glorious ascension into heaven of Christ, your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty. The words right there, offer to your glorious majesty. This is the part, this is specifically the part of the Mass that's sacrificial. the, The consecrated gifts are now the body and blood of Christ, and we're offering them back to the Father from the gifts we offer to your glorious majesty, majesty from the gifts you have given us, this pure victim, this holy victim, the spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life and the chalice of everlasting salvation. I'm on page 17. In Eucharistic prayer number uh, two, uh, therefore, this is how we offer, these are the offered, uh, offertory texts. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer to you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. This is, uh, we're up now to page, uh, uh, in, in the Breaking Bread Missal, that's on page 18. And you, you don't have those open yet, but you, I, I can refer you to that later. Uh, and in Eucharistic prayer three, uh, the offering sounds like this. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and we look, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. In each instant, we link our sacrifice to that of Christ and offer it with his. All right, so we've We've come to the core point at which the sacrificial dimension of this liturgy takes place. Now, on page 16, um, we have a reminder from uh, part of this theme comes from the thinking of St. Paul in Romans 12.1. Paul urges us, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Uh, Eucharistic prayer 4 asks explicitly, Look, O Lord, upon the sacrifice which you yourself have provided for your church and grant in your loving kindness to all who partake of this one bread and one chalice that gathered into one body by the Holy Spirit, they may truly become a living sacrifice in Christ. So in Eucharistic, in all the Eucharistic prayers, we have a point at which there's a clear statement of offering, or if you want to be classic about it, oblation. Now, having put ourselves on the altar with the bread and wine, and we did that at the preparation of the gifts, we now join ourselves to the sacrament on the altar. So we have Jesus, uh, the Lamb of God, on the altar, and we offer, we, at this point here, and I've been trying to do this for several months, because I know Father, uh, the pastor, Father Don, always says, I'm going to use Eucharistic Prayer 2 or Eucharistic Prayer 3 or whatever. So I've been trying to track with that. And it goes by fast. So you have to be alert. You know, you, These are very small moments. But this is definitely a point of uh, being, being part of the sacramental offering. Uh, we join ourselves to the sacrament on the altar, offering ourselves and the sacramental body and blood of, to the Father. We become an oblation. We become an, uh, an offering too joined with Christ. The altar is the focus of attention and reverence for the priest and the people. 
This is where, I'm on page 17 now, at the top of 17. Uh, This is where the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ and where we offer ourselves together with Christ. Now we move from the offering to petitions. And I'm just copying what he says on page 19 here. Having yoked your offering. I like that phrase he uses. Having connected your offering now to that of Christ, we now attach our petitions to it. Uh, Page 19. Eucharistic prayer too makes petitions at the end. Uh, Most of the EPs do, but uh, the the, uh, canon does not. has offerings in two places. In Eucharistic prayer too, we make petitions for the peace and salvation of all the world, the pilgrim church on earth, this family, God's children, scattered throughout the world, our departed brothers and sisters, and even those outside the Christian family who were pleasing to God at their passing from this life. So that's Eucharistic prayer two terminology. Eucharistic prayer one has petitions at the beginning and at the end. Here's two of them that are at the beginning. To you, therefore, most most merciful merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, that you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices, which we offer you firstly for your holy Catholic Church. Be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world, together with your servant. And then we name the Pope and we name our local uh, ordinary or Bishop Michael Burbage, and all those holding the truth hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. This is on page 19 again. Uh, we also pray to the Lord to graciously accept this oblation of our service. This is an EP1 also. That of your whole, that of your whole family. Graciously accept this gift, this offering of our service. That of your whole family. Order our days in your peace and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock you have chosen. And then on page 21 of the pamphlet, uh, the intentions during the Eucharistic prayer have a special quality because they go with the oblation to the Father. The intentions are going up at the same time we're giving this holy unspotted sacrifice to the Father. We uh, we pray for the Pope and the bishops because they are the leaders and the source of our unity, but also because they need our prayers the most. This is not a sarcasm. uh, This is not a sarcastic comment, but acknowledgement of the critical and demanding responsibility placed on these essential shepherds of the people of God. Shepherds like St. Peter was, and you see that in today's liturgy. At weddings and baptisms and funerals, we pray for the main people, Named during the Eucharistic prayer. This is a unique kind of a privilege. And now uh, on page 23, we get to the fourth major part of our uh, our, 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 our prayer, our liturgy of the Eucharist. It helps to think a little bit like a Jew at a Passover meal when you get to communion. In the Last Supper, Jesus followed the Seder rite of offering the third cup, the cup of blessing, which we have identified thanks to uh, St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, He offered the third cup, the cup of blessing, which would normally be followed by a Passover meal. 
But at the Last Supper, Jesus offered, offers his disciples the unleavened bread that he declares to be his body in place of the Passover lamb. At this point in our covenant meal, we have placed ourselves on the altar with the gifts. The gifts have been concentrated. And these consecrated gifts, the body and blood of Jesus, are offered to the Father with our self-offering. And we now receive communion, in communion, the consecrated gifts. So Jesus, the Lamb of God, sacrificed, offered to the Father, the sacrifice of bread and wine is returned to us after we offer it to God with ourselves. It's just, it's almost an, a, a replay of the Passover meal, except adapted. Uh, there is another uh, uh, Old Testament and priestly practice called the, the Toda prayer, which is also uh, lurking in the background or buried in the, this tradition too. Uh, but this is at this point in time where um, I'm really drawing on the idea of the comparison of the uh, uh, the Passover feast. So Jesus, the Lamb of God, has been sacrificed, and the sacrifice of bread and wine is now returned to us after we have offered it to God. Our self-offering, our self-offering, returns to us in this supper of the Lamb as a first fruit of the sacrifice of Christ. When we join in communion with Christ and our fellow communicants, we are transformed into the mystical body of Christ. So it's not just me and Jesus. It's me and all those people we're tolerating in our presence during the Mass. Uh, we're actually, the, the Eucharist actually makes church. The Eucharist makes church. It brings us together. And one of the prayers that the priest says um, after the uh, prayer of offering is a prayer for unity, this very unity. When we join in communion with Christ and our fellow communicants, we are transformed into the mystical body. According to Augustine, in Sermo 272, every theology student gets taken through that during the study of the sacraments. Now on page 24, consuming both body and blood of Christ at communion gives us a fuller sacramental sign of the covenant God establishes with us and the sacrifice that sustains that covenant. Sacramental sign is more, is more real, realized and more clear if we receive uh, both body and blood at the same, at the service. There's a sidebar on page 24 that uh, stresses that or emphasizes that, points that out. Um, but those who cannot receive the host because of a gluten sensitivity or other kinds of conditions still receive all of Jesus. Jesus is present in both forms of Eucharist. The, sig, the sign value, the, the, the completeness of the sign value of both uh, bread and wine, uh, body and blood, is more powerful liturgically, but it doesn't... Dis- uh, it, 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 it doesn't discriminate on people that can't receive uh, the bread. Ideally, we should also receive communion bread that's consecrated at the Mass, which we participate. This is a tricky one. This is really hard to do, but uh, Turner really emphasizes this uh, in, in a strong way. 
the uh, uh, we should receive communion from the bread that's consecrated at the mass we're attending. That is, we should receive communion from the altar, not from the tabernacle. It's not as if we've got a coexisting tabernacle, a storage place for Jesus, and we, we you know, we move there when when the uh, consecrated uh, host is, is uh, uh, it, when the quantity is not enough. Uh, you will also, if you're a communicant here at St. Charles, if you go up to the altar, if you go to the center aisle and uh, communion line, you'll often receive part of the large host. The priest is broken at the fraction rate. Now, this is the ideal. Managing the quantity of host placed at the gift table in the baptismal font to be just what we need for the Mass is a logistical challenge. It's, it's really tricky. So most pastors... Uh, uh, don't don't tackle that, and, and, and understandably, it's tough to manage. In small assemblies, in retreats, in uh, uh, other small gatherings in monastic communities, this is something you can manage very clearly, very easy. But the, why is this important? Well, the whole idea of the sacrifice is that those hosts, the blood and, uh, uh, bread and wine that was consecrated, is the offering that you've given up. And in order for that to be returned to you, that really should be the same consecrated elements that were originally brought up at the Mass. In order for that, it's a closure process that's going on. You know, that's exactly what the ancients did in the, in the, uh, in the Old Testament ritual when they, sac- when they uh, 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 immolated a, a sacrificial lamb and roasted his flesh. They finished that meal as part of their uh, whatever their worship, whether it was Passover or another sacred meal. There was, con- uh, you know, there's closure and, and, and complete completion. So uh, I'm pointing out a, a, an ideal that uh, that you ha- you'll come across here, and I'll probably give you something to uh, chew on a little bit. Uh, no pun intended. When you are when you're sorry about that. When you're at Sunday Mass, you are presented. Uh, you are present with Jesus. Now I'm going to talk about anamnesis, this Greek term about how you can, you know, this have a memory that's so powerful, which is exactly what the Jews were doing when they had Passover meal. Their, their, their memory of the Passover and their freedom from Egypt was so intense that they actually possessed that experience, you know, across time boundaries. So uh, when we are at Mass, you're present with Jesus in the Last Supper, at the Last Supper, and at the end of time. Because Jesus doesn't live in our time. Jesus is eternal. He's in another dimension that we're not, that only, only at the Mass do we break through that veil, that thin space between us and the other dimension. The Mass exists in a Kairos time, not Kronos. Kairos time is the presence of Jesus now, uh, and the uh, presence with him at the end of time. Uh, Kronos time is the measured time that we live in day to day, the time that we, we live in where we uh, go to work and keep our appointments and take our kids to school and uh, come to Mass on time, keep track of what's going on in the weekend. We're usually, uh, however, we even if we're at Mass, Usually the chronos time prevails. It's built into our, our memories, built into our spirits. 
in the two paragraphs on page 26, we get a glimpse of anamnesis, this holy representation of the Supper of the Lamb. Not, uh, not a re-sacrifice, a representation. We are actually uh, present through the, uh, uh, the acts of the, uh, the ministerial priesthood, places us in our time and space, places us across time through this dimension of Kairos time with Jesus at the Last Supper. And vice versa, brings Jesus to us. And we, uh, uh, we receive and complete our sacrifice uh, with, Je- with receiving Jesus, but also becoming the larger, the, the mystical body of Christ. The holy representation of the Supper of the Lamb in our time and space and our placement in that event with Jesus occurs during the Mass. When the, pres- when the priest prays, this again is on page 26, that Jesus took this precious chalice, chalice, he's placing us in that past event with Christ and placing Christ at this event, this now Mass, with us. This is more than just a human remembrance. Okay, you thought I'd never get here, but on page 29 we get to a conclusion. Uh, uh, page, uh, on, page, uh, uh, on page 6 of this little booklet, we read that we have two priestly responsibilities, which are to confess the wondrous deeds of God and, and be thankful. Okay, give thanks uh, and to join in the sacrifice of Jesus at the uh, at the offering in the Eucharistic prayer. In order to fully participate, we should engage in both of these actions, some of which are external, but much of it's in, in here. It's internal. It's it's not it's not the uh, uh, the uh, which are all important. You know, the the gestures uh, preparing for the, the liturgy of the word hearing the gospel and in, engaging with the sign, the sign of peace. These are all external gestures that verify something that's going on in our hearts. But in much of what we're talking about this morning, it's an, act, an action that's really, each of us owns for ourselves our ability to place ourselves on the altar, for instance. It's not something you, you demonstrate by going up and jumping on the altar. You know, It's something you do in, in your heart. Uh, we can and should bring our hopes and fears, joys and sufferings to our worship. Our worship. We should bring all the baggage that we deal with on a, on a daily, weekly basis to our worship and offer it along with ourselves. Think of how much it would please God if self-offering preceded our prayer. Now, this is, this is a Paul Turner thought, and I'm just copying this. If self-offering preceded our prayer and we can receive the communion of the sacrifice while joining ourselves in unity with other worshipers in offering with Christ himself. So, final thought, offering sacrifice is what we have been called to do through our baptism and the baptismal priesthood that that confers.